know in the last month we've gone through a time of uh, prayer and fasting in January and I was uh, you know really encouraging you to seek the Lord and to uh, take that time of that month and really just um, spend some time with the Lord and uh, really get His direction and His heart for you during this year. And, uh, you know, and so I want to encourage this morning, it kind of somewhat ties in with that, but I believe this is kind of instructions for the rest of our year. Uh, you know, there was, uh, I don't remember, it was two Sundays ago, I believe. I think it was two Sundays ago where the Lord had really given me some prophetic things and, um, you know, about this year for you, for your life. Um, you know, and I don't, as many of you know, I don't throw that word around lightly. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't even say that if I didn't absolutely believe it. Uh, I'm pretty careful about throwing around things like that. Why? Because I want to make sure it's the Lord. And, uh, but, uh, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back on the podcast and listen to it. Uh, there were specific things that I felt like the Lord had stirred in my heart, um, about this year for you and for your family. And, uh, you you know, and so, uh, but I want to kind of dovetail off of that a little bit and uh, just share some things with you because there's always this moment because I know that if you've sought the Lord, I know that God will speak to you. Yeah. And I know that He will and I know that He'll give you instructions, but there's always that moment where God stirs something in your heart and it's like, okay, well, what do I do now? And, uh, you know, and sometimes that can be a challenge because we think it's like these really big things that God wants us to do. And, and you know, and so I'll just say this. Just do what He told you to do. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Because here's what I've learned about the Lord. I complicate it. He doesn't. I try to make things bigger and more, whatever. And usually, if I can just take a step and just do what He's telling me to do. And, I'll, and so I want to talk and share with you this morning about this. Is to just start where you are. I don't know about you, but I know that the Lord has at many times has laid things on my heart. And my first thought was, I can't do that. How many of you have ever felt that way? Like, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, there's just a, you know, just no way. But the thing that I've found, if I'll just start moving in the direction that the Lord has led me, it's amazing, number one, that as I just take a step of faith that God gets involved and all of a sudden it's not just on me to do it, but it does require some action on my part. And so I want to share with you some things this morning about this and, um, you know, in, in, in thought because... Um, you know, I believe for you to get to this, as I've said, I believe that we'll set up ourselves in January for the rest of our year if we'll take this time and seek the Lord during this time. And, uh, you know, and I know that many of you participate and were involved with that. And, you know, but there is kind of, there's. let me say it this way, there can be a tendency to be real fired up for a little while and then, you know, why? Because it's like New Year's resolutions. We're like, yeah, God's doing something. And then we don't see what we thought and so then we become discouraged, Right? And yet there's something uh, powerful about being consistent and sticking with what the Lord has put in your heart to do. And so I want to share some things with you about this. And so, uh, you know, in the Bible, there's a principle that's uh, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says this. It says, don't despise small beginnings. You know why? Because, you know, you don't build a house in a day. I mean, if you realize that. You don't, you know, I mean, all those kinds of things. And just be, you know, we're getting ready to have our marriage conference this next week. Just because you've got a ring on your finger and stood before somebody and had a vow doesn't make a beautiful life, right? Uh, a friend of mine says it this way, is that uh, one day does not a lifelong marriage make. In other words, just because you get married doesn't mean that that's a lifelong happy marriage. Why? There's going to, and you know, and even like in my life and in many of our lives, when we got married, we were broke. We didn't have anything, Right? Why? Because we were young and we had no money and so we were loving each other and loving on Jesus because we didn't have much else to do. And, uh, you know, but even in that is that over the last 
on what, 12, 13, I don't know, 13 and a half years? Had to pause and think there for a second. I can look back and I can remember me and Dara having like a, a couch that was given to us from one of my bachelor friends. Now, you know that's not good when your bachelor friends are giving you furniture when you get married. Like, that's not a good place to start, but I didn't have a couch. So I'm like, sure. And it was ugly. And at least it didn't smell that we knew of. And, uh, you know, but, you know, but we look back at even the places where we started and some of the, the, you know, and really where the Lord has brought us. And man, I look back at where we started and I'm very thankful because it's those, those times and those moments that we look back on now and we laugh and we're thankful for them. Why? Because, yeah, the Lord has blessed us. But what if we would have just said, well, God, you promised us it was going to be better than this. And this just isn't what we thought. We would have never gotten even to the point where we are today. And I know that we're just along in the journey. We're not at any finish point by any stretch of the imagination. And so even, you know, concerning this year and maybe the things the Lord has laid in your, in your heart, you may think, well, God, I've got big goals and I've got big things in my heart and I'm believing you for big things. And you just gave me one small thing to do. And how is one little small thing going to get me to that big thing I was believing you for? You know, I was challenging you in this last month is that it really requires no more faith to believe God for something big than it does for something small. I mean, God's got to do it either way. So why not believe him for something big? But sometimes in our, in our minds, we can have this hurdle, which is this, is that if I'm believing for something big, then I need to do something big. And that's really not the way it works. Even here, you know, it talks about the, the verse that we were just talking about. That don't despise or don't throw away a small step of faith that God may be asking you to do. Because that small step of faith could be the catalyst to get you to where God wants you to go. You know, a fire doesn't start, you know, a bonfire starts with just a little flame, right? What happens? It grows and it grows and it grows. And the same thing has happened, will happen, even as you consistently, continually do the instructions from the Lord. And so, you know, many times what happens is that the Lord will drop something in our hearts or maybe even challenge us in some way. And the first thing that we have to do is realize that it's going to require a step of obedience first. And it may seem small. And it may just be just a small adjustment in your normal routine. It's not necessarily always just these major things. But there are great blessings on the other side of our obedience. You know, um, years ago I heard a, a gentleman make this statement. And it's just, it's, I'll say, that it's done me well to keep it in mind. Because it's helped me pursue what God um, has really led me to do all these years. And, it, and the statement is this, is that God doesn't lead us. Or that God leads us in steps and stages, not leaps and bounds. He leads us in steps, not big jumps. He leads us in stages and seasons of life, not these just massive jumps. Is that God is steady. God will bring about a steadiness in our life if we'll just walk with Him. But it requires a consistency in our life. And so God will, you know, I mean many times we'll have a dream in our heart or a desire in our heart. And it seems like it's a million miles away. No, you just got to start taking steps in that direction. You know, and you're faithful to do those things that God has placed right before you in that moment. And really, uh, and this is what the way we're going to look at this this morning, and I believe it will help um, to even help you understand uh, not just uh, really those things that you're believing God for, but even God's, the way that God's Word works in our life and works in our hearts. Um, you know, and so this morning, I really, because what happens is, is that God is a God of principle. How many of you know that? I mean, God says things and the Bible says he never changes. He never has and he never will. 
That God stays the same. And so many times we'll see principles throughout Scripture that will really span multiple facets of life, if you will. And, um, you know, so this morning I want to talk to you about and share with you about the principle of the seed. You know, God, and you could say it this way, is that God will give you a dream. Well, what is that? That's a seed that's being sown. It's just a little glimpse of something that you're believing for. And you're thinking, man, I don't have a clue how I'll ever get to this place or what God has for me. Or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, and maybe it's something in the natural. Maybe it's that you have hope that glimmers in your heart that you could be healed, that you could actually uh, be prosperous and, you know, those types of things. And it's just like this desire and you're like, yes, I want that. But how do I get there from here? You know, God always reveals his will and his word. Always. You're like, well, I don't know what God's thinking. You know, people have that saying, well, you can never know what God's going to do. Well, sure I can. Sure you can. Why? Because he's revealed it in his word for us. And the word of God is even it. And we'll look at this here in a few minutes is a seed that gets sown. Now, you know, where I used to live in Kansas was a farming community, big farming community. We did two things. We farmed and we raised cattle. That's what that was the big industry there. You know, and during um, this time of the year is a planting season, planting time. You know, and they would do all this work and it seemed like nothing was happening for months. I mean, just you'd see nothing going on, nothing going on. Uh, You know, and then all of a sudden you begin to see these little bitty leaves begin to pop up. You drive by and there's just acres and acres and acres and acres of. And there's just all these little things that start popping up. And then they'd grow over a period of time and they'd get to about knee height. Knee height. About, you know. So they'd just be covered. Now this was corn I'm talking about. But what happened is is it didn't seem like that it just like slowly, steadily grew. What happened was it seemed like it was really slow growing. And then it got to like the heat of summer. And then it went from this to like this seemingly overnight. It seemed what was happening on a very small scale just all of a sudden... Blossom, and then all of a sudden you got lots of ears of corn and all this stuff. What was happening during all of that time? Was there not growth happening all the time? Was there not a process that was being had and that seed had been sown into the ground and, and it began to grow even though it was very small when it was planted? There was some nurturing of the ground. There were some nutrients that were put into the ground. There was water that was fed on that seed. Why? Because that seed would produce... As long as they didn't forget about it. What if they had planted the seed and just said, I'll be back at harvest time. Would there be the same harvest? No, it would have, I mean, there would be disease. There would be, uh, you know, the crop would actually be very diminished. But because they were attentive to the seed, it produced a bountiful harvest. See, I believe that even some of the things that the Lord may have spoke to you over this last month, that those are seeds. But you've got to pay attention to the seed. Because you're not going to get to the end of the year believing God for those things that you felt like He had stirred up in you. You know, we even uh, had a, a time last week where we had prayed with all of you who had a need. We asked you to bring one need that you were believing God for this year. And we uh, got together and prayed in agreement about that. One of the things that I told you, which by the way, if you happen to not be here, we'll still take your prayer request. Uh, because um, we're going to continue praying over those throughout the year. I'm going to continue praying. We're going to pray over them corporately as the church. We're going to continue. Why? Because we don't want to... Let me say this. I don't want to abandon the seed that we've sown. We're going to stay with it. Why? Because we're going to keep praying and we're going to see God answer those things that we've asked Him for. Those things that we've brought before Him. And so, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 8. 
And we're going to spend probably the majority of our time discussing uh, this. This chapter here, or portions of it. <coughs> Excuse me. But in verse 4 of Luke chapter 8, it says this. It says, One day that Jesus told a story in the form of a parable. Says to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He says, A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks, and it began to grow. But the plant soon withered or wilted and died for lack of moisture. It says, Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up in it. Uh, that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. He says, still other seed fell on the fertile soil. And he said, this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as was planted. Now here's the key verse. Jesus, like the Messiah, the man, our pattern makes a statement. He says, anyone who has ears should listen and understand. Here's my translation of that. Jesus said, hey, pay attention. Why? Because there's truth here. And just because, how many of you know that just because you can hear the sound of my voice and you might even be able to hear me read scripture and just because you read scripture doesn't necessarily mean that you understand it. Just hearing it is not enough. Why? Because the Bible says that the word has to be mixed with faith. In other words, it has to be mixed with our belief that, hey, what God says he will do. And, it, you know, is that just like a, if I had a bag of seeds sitting in here, it wouldn't matter if I poured them on this carpet. We could come back a year from now and guess what? We're still going to have seeds on the carpet. Why? Because the conditions weren't right for the seed to produce. Why? Because there are certain things that seed... And here's the thing. The ability for that seed to produce was in the seed all along. But I didn't have soil. I didn't have sunlight. I didn't have water. I didn't have the necessary nutrients. So the seed had the potential to grow all along. It was never about the seed. It was about the process that the seed needed to go through. You know, and so even for us in our lives and what those things that we're believing God for. That promise from God that he's dropped in your heart has the ability to produce in your life. It, it has the ability. It's not a question of if it could. It's, just, it's really a matter of just when. The ability is there. But the conditions have to be right. And Jesus is trying to teach a, a point here. And so his disciples... You know, because he says, hey, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. Well, the disciples, and he actually says, hear and understand. Well, the disciples didn't understand. So, you know, they get Jesus alone a little while later. In verse 9, they asked, and they said, uh, asked him what the parable meant. And he, he responds to them and says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. He says, but I use parables to teach others so the, the scriptures might be fulfilled when they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't really understand. Now, this is just good to know. Even with the disciples, Jesus said, look, I'm telling them things that are, in a sense, secretive. But I'm going to let you in on the whole truth. How many of you know that's true for us right now as New Testament Christians, believers in the Word of God? Is that God is holding nothing back from us. No, he's, he says he's given us the wisdom of God in Christ. And now it works in our lives through the help of the Holy Spirit. And so he goes on and he begins to really explain the story that he was just telling to the masses. It says here in verse 11 this. says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's promise. The seed is God's covenant to you. 
That's what the seed is. It is God's word coming alive and really being deposited in our hearts. Why? So that we can now begin to believe him, begin to produce the right conditions for what? That seed to produce. And yet Jesus actually will walk us through several things here in the next few moments together. In verse 12 it says, The seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Now Jesus is actually talking about this in context of salvation. In other words, they come and hear that Jesus is the Messiah, that He's the one who's come to take away the sins of the world, and yet the enemy, the devil, the thief, comes instantly to steal what? That seed that was sown. Why? Because he doesn't want faith being mixed with the seed of the Word of God. Why? Because when faith is met with Jesus, what happens? Salvation begins to happen. Eternal destination begins to change. People who were lost and going to hell are now bound for life and a life with God in heaven. And so instantly, and the devil, and this plays out in every area of our life, not just in our salvation. There may be things that God has dropped in your heart for this year, and I can tell you, already the enemy has tried to come and take it from you. Probably that day, even in that moment. The moment that hope was dropped in your heart, the enemy says, I've got to get to that seed because if I can get to the seed, the harvest can never come. So we have to understand how the enemy works. God's promises are amazing, but we have to hold on to them. And the enemy knows the power that is possessed in that seed. And so we have to understand that the enemy will come to take from us those promises. Those desires, those things that we've been asking the Lord and praying for and believing and and standing and praying for. Just because we're not seeking the Lord in January doesn't mean that we don't have something to do. We need to hold on and protect our promise. We have to. Why? Because we have an enemy who wants to steal it from us. Now I do think it's interesting here that it does say where that seed is planted which is in our heart. You're like, well, where does the Word of God go? It goes into our heart, our spirit, man, our, our being. And it says, but the enemy wants to take it from our hearts. How many of you know that just because you plant a seed, if you go and dig it back up, just because it was in dirt and just because it was getting water and just because it was getting sunlight, I could take that same seed and bring it here and throw it on the carpet and it's just a seed. Why? Because I have removed it from the proper conditions for it to sprout and to grow. So the conditions matter. And, and just so that you know, you'll, re, you, you'll see this, but Jesus actually shows that there's different types of soil. Different conditions for the seed, if you want to say it that way. So, this first one, the enemy comes to steal it as soon as it gets planted. It, the seed was in the right place. And yet, the enemy will try to steal it. Verse 13, it says, That the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. You get that promise from God and you're excited. You've got that hope in your heart that God's going to come through for me. This is my time. This is when God's going to show himself strong on my behalf. And you get all excited about it. I mean, have you ever been there? Amen. I mean, I get excited when God starts dropping things in my heart. I mean, I'm like, man, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. He says, they hear the message, they receive it with joy, but they don't have deep roots. So they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. Other translations say temptations and trials. In other words, when the conditions change in our life, all of a sudden maybe we get, well, maybe God didn't tell me that. 
Was that really the Lord that stirred that up in my heart? I, I just don't know if he's going to do that for me. You're not quite sure why. Because it's, and it's exactly what happened. It's because those roots aren't going deep enough. You could say it this way. is that it requires maturity to receive all that God has for you. It's not just going to come just by chance. Is it, you know, and even, you know, I was talking to my neighbor the other day and he was asking, long story short, he was asking me how he wanted to trim up some trees in his yard. And he was wanting to know, you know, we were talking about this and that. And he talked, he's like, well, I'm from West Texas, you know, and if you go cutting all these trees down or cutting the limbs off, he's like, you know, that's kind of their protection, blah, blah, blah. And I've seen this happen, especially like when you go like out into a wooded area and they go in like, you know, like even my parents' house, they live out in the country kind of, but it's a neighborhood. And, uh, but they went in there and they cut like all these trees off except for my, they wanted to keep a couple of them. Well, it's amazing how many of them trees have just fell over. Why? Because there was protection with all the trees. But when they were just standing there all alone, what happened? The roots weren't deep enough so the wind blew and they just blow them right over. You know, and, and that's somewhat uh, similar to what it's talking about here is that what happens as we grow and even as we walk with the Lord is our roots go down deeper. Why? Because storms come and we need to be able to weather those storms. We need to be able to uh, weather through and to stand still believing God. Even in the face of situations and circumstances that may not look like they line up with our promise. You know, and, and so it is part of, and part of um, believing God is simply that, is allowing our roots to go down deeper. And any time that we're challenged, we have a decision. Am I going to give up on what I was believing for? Or am I going to dig down and, and keep believing God for that promise that he's given me? Because, let me say it this way, our roots can only go down as deep as we're willing to dig. But the, the roots of any plant are the strength and the real life of that particular plant. And you know what, and the same is true for us. You know, I did a series this last, uh, when was it, last summer, I think, called Root Killers. Why? Because... If you're going to have healthy fruit, you've got to have healthy roots. It all starts with our roots. And that's why Jesus is saying that, hey, that there, wasn't enough, uh, there wasn't enough root that went down deep enough to hold it when the trials came. And so therefore, the seed or the promise is let go. Verse 14 says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message or the promise is crowded out by the cares of and riches and pleasures of this life, so they never grow into maturity. Now, Jesus is talking about the Word, but He's also talking about spiritual maturity here. Talking about getting our promise from God, those things that we're believing for. And here it says is that, man, we got our promise, and we're not, you know, we're not those that the enemy came in and stole it right away. We're not those who, you know, really didn't uh, dig down into our root system. He's saying, man, that what happened is that we had good roots. The enemy didn't steal from us, but what happened is, is that we got distracted by life. We got uh, removed from other things. And, 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 and those circumstances, situations, yes, those things came, but even the cares of life, things that we felt like were so important... That really weren't. And what happens is we actually forfeit the promises of God. Those things that God has stirred up in us. Why? Because I got stuff I need to take care of. I've got other priorities. 
Well, what happens is I quit tending to my promise. I quit tending to that seed that God has planted in my life. And so the seed would have produced, but the soil conditions have changed because I quit nourishing that seed. I'm like that farmer who who would plant that seed in the ground and six months later come back and be like, where's my harvest? The seed's in the ground. I can dig it up. Maybe it grew just a little bit, but it never came to the fullness of what God wanted. Why? Because the seed was left to itself. Seeds don't produce by themselves. It requires conditions and, and the right soil. Let me read you this out of... Let me, let me jump back just for a moment. Here we're in verse 13 in the Amplified. It says this about the seed that had no deep roots. It says um, that it had no firmly grounded root. It says they believe for a while, but in time of trial and temptation, they fall away. And they abandon their faith. They abandon the very things they were believing God for. Here in verse 14, it says this from the Amplified as well. Talking about the cares of life. It says that they receive uh, the message, but too quickly... They lose it because of this. And I like the way the Amplified Bible, it says that they're suffocated with the anxieties, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. The seed was there, it was in the soil, but it simply got suffocated. You know, I'm not a gardener. I mean, I don't have a green thumb, but this much I know is that if I plant some flowers in there and I let weeds grow up, what do weeds do? They rob the ground of all nourishment. And so if I'm going to, you know, if I was to plant, let's say, cucumbers. I like cucumbers, so, you know, but let's say that I was going to plant some cucumbers. And I just plant the seed, but then all these weeds begin to grow up in my garden and begin to... And what are they? They're robbing the life out of my cucumbers. And so what will happen is my cucumbers will end up being like miniature. And they probably won't be very ripe and they won't be very good. And why? Because other things came in and stole. They suffocated out the life. They sucked the life literally out of what I wanted. Simply because I didn't tend to the garden. Now let me, you know, and I've already said this, but I'll just mention it. When we're talking about the soil, we're talking about our heart this morning. Why? Because it, it, the, the soil of our heart is where the seed of God is sown. So we're not talking about external things this morning. We're talking about inside of us, our spirit man, the life of God resides on the inside of us and that's the place that we have to tend. That's the place we have to protect. In verse 15 it says that the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, they cling to it and they patiently and patiently produce a huge harvest. The Amplified says that they hold to it tightly. They hold to their promise and they bear fruit with patience. Now, we don't like patience. I don't like patience. I don't know anybody that likes patience. Right? I mean, but yet the Bible says many times over and over and over again, if we're going to receive all that God has for us, it's going to require some patience. Why? Because God is a God of process. You know, and so there may be things that we're believing for. It doesn't mean that God's withholding it from you for anything. But there is a process that God is committed to. There is seed time and there is harvest. But there has to be the seed sown. And even our hearts, and many times, has nothing to do with God's ability to work. It has to do with our ability to hold on to our promise. So that we don't become discouraged. We don't become frustrated. 
Why? Because the enemy will do everything he can to try to get us, whether it's uh, you know him initially stealing that seed, whether that's bringing circumstances into our life to get us to back off of those things that we're believing for. See, part of what I believe, you know, even in spiritual maturity, we, we, you know, I mean, we don't throw that word around a lot, but, you know, I mean, we're all to grow in the Lord. I mean, that's God's desire. But how many of you realize that spiritual maturity, true spiritual maturity, is not necessarily a greater understanding of Scripture? Just because I can spout off a thousand Scriptures does not mean I'm spiritually mature. It doesn't. Does it help me? Yes. <laughs> do, I, do I need to do that? Sure, I ought to have a discipline in my life where I'm regularly putting the Word of God into my life. Sure. But that doesn't automatically mean that I'll come to, to a place of maturity. Maturity also doesn't mean that there's some sort of change in our behaviors. Behavior modification. I'm going to be a better person this year. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're maturing at all. I mean, the Bible says that we can actually, we have to repent of dead works, which is what? Our ability to make ourselves better. I'm going to be who God wants me to be by myself. The Bible says you need to repent of that. Quit doing that. It doesn't bring it. Why? Because you're going to be very frustrated. That's where you're going to end up being. But this is what I believe true spiritual maturity is. And I believe it's the most important thing is how far do we allow that same scripture to penetrate into our hearts? This is the real work of, of, of the Word of God in our lives. Is how far, or let me say it this way, how far will we invite God into our life? That when His Word challenges us, do we just push it off and be like, well, that ain't for me? Or do we say, okay, well, all the Word of God is for me. And so even in those um, places in our life where there may be wounds, where there may be hurts, where there may be fear, where there may, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, and God's Word challenges us, do we allow Him to come in and heal those places and to give us courage instead of fear? Or do we pull back? Why? Because these are the, this is the work of the, of the Word of God in our lives and in our hearts. That's true spiritual maturity. Is to allow God's word to come in and to change who I am. Because part of the process of God and is, is this, is that it's preparation for that promise that God is giving you. Yes. And there are some things that God wants to work in you during that time. Why? Because God wants to bring out and bring about what he's promised you. Absolutely. No questions about it. But there is some growth in us so that we can be prepared yes. for what God wants to do in us. There are some things that have to come about in our lives. So we have to allow the word to penetrate our hearts. And we also have to allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wants to do in us. This isn't something that I do or that you do or that we make happen. No, I just all I have to do is make sure that the conditions are right for the seed of God to be sown. For the Holy Spirit to come in and to be, as we even in the natural examples, to be water and light to that seed that's been sown into my heart. And my responsibility is just say, Lord, I want to make sure that I have the proper conditions for that seed to produce in my life. Well, how do I do? That's all about my heart. That's about my fears, my anxieties, my worries, all of my hangups, all those things that could get in the way of God's word producing in my life. I've got to say, God, I, I trust you more than my failures. 
I believe that you want to work in me more than I believe I can not do that. Right? Right? I mean, I know in my own life, and I'm sure many of you have this same testimony, same story, that we look back and we're like, yeah, but I've got failures. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but I've got this. Yeah, but I've got that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was us trying to do that in our own strength. What about when we actually surrender our hearts to the Lord and say, okay, God, what weeds are in my life? What, what things are, what insecurities are in my heart that keep me stuck in this place when I know that you're wanting to move me forward? You know, one of the things that, and I've shared this, I think, once or twice already, that the Lord stirred in me about this year, um, you know, about the church, and really it was about you, was this, is that there would be growth from within. And what I believe the Lord meant by that is that you would actually step into some new places, that you would actually step out of a place where you've been and step up into a new season and a new place in your life. But that won't just happen automatically. It won't just happen automatically. It requires cooperation to say, Okay, Lord, I understand that you want to move me to a new place. And so even in the areas where I'm insecure and even in the places where I feel like I don't measure up and in those places that I say, Lord, I can't do that. I'm going to quit saying I can't. And I'm going to start saying, Lord, I'm going to begin to trust you and say, Lord, whatever you need to do to cause the soil of my heart to be in the right place for that seed to produce, I want you to do it. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't have to know how you do it. I mean, the Bible even says, look, a farmer sows the seed. He has no idea how it grows, but yet he still gets to reap the harvest. Right? Right? I don't have to understand in a scientific, like most intimate detail how the seed works. I plant cucumbers, I get cucumbers. That's all I need to know. My wife would love it if I'd go plant some watermelons. But if I go plant cucumbers, guess what's not coming? Watermelons. I mean, I know they're both kind of initially skinny and green and kind of long. But if we want watermelons, we got to go plant some watermelons. And and so that's the important work that has to happen. And And for you to step into what God has for you this year, I believe that it is. And we have to recognize that Holy Spirit, I don't have to know how you're going to do it. I just need to be in a place that I will let you do it. See, there's a big difference because sometimes we have this mentality of, well, God's going to work and God's going to work and God's going to work and it's all on him. Well, no, we have to allow him. I mean, put it into a natural perspective. Imagine if you were sick. Would you allow just a doctor just to walk up on you and say, hey, you need to have surgery. I'm going to do it right here, right now. No, I have to let you operate on me like it has to be an agreement. I mean, he'd be in a lot of trouble. He would lose his license for doing things like that. Why? Because I have to actually allow him to... To treat me, if, if you want to say it that way. What's well, the same way with the Lord? I don't have to know what the doctor is going to do to, you know, to surgically repair something in me. But that doesn't mean I can't let him do a surgery. No, I, of course we would. And we can. And the same is true when it comes to the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The seed that gets sown is the Word of God. It's the promise of God. It's that thing that He stirred up in you. But now we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And, and here's the thing. Let me say it this way because we've been talking about it. In this, is that the Holy Spirit is a master gardener. Amen. He knows exactly what doesn't need to be in our hearts. And He knows exactly what needs to, to come out of our hearts. And He also knows how to cause our roots to grow down deep 
into the Word of God. So why? So that we won't be overwhelmed with uh, situations and circumstances. But He knows how to produce the Word in our lives. But we have to allow Him to do a, a work in our hearts. You know, a number of years ago, I don't remember, it's been quite a number of years ago now, that there was just some things in me, and I didn't know what they were. I didn't even know how to explain it. Um, you know, I knew that the Lord was kind of stirring up in me, that there was a new season coming in my life. But I knew that I wasn't healthy enough where I was to step into what God had for me. I just, and you're like, well, what do you mean by that? That's the best I know how to describe it. I really can't put in, because I didn't know, but I knew that there was something in me that just wasn't right. I knew I was saved. I knew God loved me. I could pray in the Spirit. I mean, you know, I could sense the presence. All those things were happening. But there was still something on the inside. Let me say it this way. I knew that in my heart that I was sick. Not like in a weird, twisted, just something in me wasn't right. And I knew that God was stirring in me that a new season is coming. A new se- And I mean, we're not talking about for a little bit of time. I mean, we're talking about for a number of years. I knew this. Well, the Lord, I wasn't waiting on Him. He was waiting on me. Why? Because my heart wasn't yet ready. And really, I had to allow the Lord to heal some stuff in my heart that I couldn't even really put into words. And it's amazing what happened. Once I finally got to a place where I said, Lord... I want to be better. I want to be whole. And I want to be healed of, of past wounds and, and, and these things that, that have been holding me back that I knew, what it, I knew what it was, but I couldn't really describe it. It's amazing that when I let the Lord in, how quickly He began to work. Now, I mean, it took me three months to actually even somewhat be able to put it into words. Because me and Derek talked about it. And she's like, what do you think the Lord did? And I said, I don't know, but I'm different. I, I can't tell you. It took me three months to even put it into words. It took me a little while to figure it out. And not even then did I fully understand it. But I can tell you this. If I hadn't gone through that and allow the Lord to heal me, I wouldn't be standing here today. So it's something that happened years ago and yet it affects my present. And the same is true for you, for you to step into what God has for you, even for you to, to, uh, to stretch out and to step into more of what God has for you in your life, you're going to have to allow Him to do some healing. Yes. You're going to have to allow Him to bring about some wholeness. And you may say, I don't even know what's wrong with me. You don't have to know. The Bible says that the Lord is the great physician. The great physician. Why? Because, and, and even a few weeks ago, we talked about this. That he says, hey, he will give you the oil of gladness for your mourning. That you can give up a spirit of heaviness for what? For a spirit of praise, a garment of praise. Is that we can actually bring what weighs us down and holds us back to the Lord. When we can grab hold of of what we see in Scripture and say, God, I don't have a clue how to get there from here. But this is what I do know is that you're not going to leave me. That you've given your Holy Spirit and deposited Him on the inside of me so that your word can produce. And if there's anything in me that doesn't need to be in my heart, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help me. I mean, the whole month of January, was we we talked about this. You have not because you ask not. Seek and you will find. Some of you need to begin to ask the Holy Spirit for His help. Holy Spirit, I know that something in me is not quite right, but I need your help. And I'm inviting you into my mess because I need it cleaned up. And it's sometimes as simple as just asking. 
Just inviting the Lord. Saying, Lord, I know that I'm hurting and I need to be healed. I know that I'm broken and I need to be repaired. And you may not even know what that means, but you don't have to. You hold to your promise. You hold to the word that God has given you. Those things that he's dropped in your spirit and there's hope. I mean, hope is important, but hope by itself produces nothing. Hope is that initial, I believe this is possible. But at some point, we've got to shift from just having hope to now having faith to begin to believe God. But it's when, the, when our faith, our belief is mixed with the word of God that it will produce in our life. But it's not until that moment. But even then, it requires that we ask the Lord. It's not always in the big things. Sometimes it's the small things. The Lord wants to work in our lives. You know, we aren't to pursue shallow change. We're not trying to do behavior modification. Not trying to make you a happier, better person. No, I I want something much deeper for you than that. We can be sweet and happy and all those kinds of things and still be miserable. You can smile at everybody and love on everybody and still on the inside really be hurting. No, we want transformation. And it comes through the power of God, not through the power of man. We pray, but God does the work. Right? And we want to be transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's a familiar verse, but I want to read it to you. Read this out of the Amplified Bible. It's the newer version. I like it. It's a little simpler. But he says that we're to be transformed and progressively changed as we mature spiritually. There's that word again. If you're going to mature, that means that you have to progressively be changed. Just because I got saved 20 years ago doesn't mean that God's not still working things in my life. No, God still wants to work. God still wants to move. God progressively wants me to move from this level to the next, to the next, to the next. Why? Because he loves me too much to leave me. Somebody needs to hear that. God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. And you're like, but I'm happy where I'm at. I know, but God has something better for you. And as long as you're happy where you are, no, God loves you too much To let you stay where you're at. He wants to progressively work in your life. Why? Because that progressively change is what is required for true spiritual maturity. So he says, be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. And he says, this is how you become progressively changed. By the renewing of your mind. By focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So how do we grow spiritually? We have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we think, our thoughts, our our, our belief structure. Well, how do I do that? I have to get anything in me that does not agree with God's word and say, that's not of God and it's not going to be in my life. I mean, you know, some of you have heard me talk about this, but I'm, I'm big on confessions, like speaking things over my life. Now, I don't do it all the time, but there are certain things. That I still do on a very regular basis. Well what am I doing? I'm renewing my mind. How? I'm declaring God's word over my life. So. I'm not going to think like this. 
No, my thoughts are pure. My thoughts are holy. I'm going to walk in the light and the revelation of the word of God. I mean, I talk to my feelings and my emotions sometimes. You're like, well, that's weird. Well, if I don't talk to them, they will run my life. So, (laughs) sometimes, stop that is a good prayer. Right? I'm not going to meditate on this thought because I recognize it for what it is, which is what? It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's part of the enemy's strategy against me to defeat me. So I'm not going to think like that anymore. God says that I can be prosperous, so I'm not going to think poor. My God supplies all of my needs. Not according to my ability, according to His ability. I guess I'm just always going to be sick. No, I have a Redeemer. Who shed his blood so that I could be made whole. So that I could be made well. The Bible says that by his stripes I've been made whole. Not that I will be, I have been. It's a done deal. It's sealed. So I have to change what I think. Well, how do I do that? you got to get the word of God. That seed has to be sown into your heart. Into your spirit, man. It had that, that soil needs to be maintained. Why? So that it can pr- pr- um, produce the harvest that God wants it to. But that requires some effort, even on our part. That word transform there is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's what takes a caterpillar to be a butterfly. Now, I know some people think caterpillars are cute. They're little fluffy little things, you know, they're so little hairy and nice. But I'll just tell you this, the beauty of a caterpillar is nothing, nothing compared to that of a butterfly. But without the process of that cocoon, there is no butterfly. Why? And here's the thing, that word even transformed there, I thought this was really interesting. It says this, is that define that word transform as this, it's the process that leads to an outward and a permanent change. This is, God is not into temporary solutions. He wants us to be transformed, completely changed, outwardly and permanently. You know those areas of struggle in our life that keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back? No, God wants us to go through a metamorphosis. He wants us to be completely transformed. By the power of God in our hearts. But it all starts with that seed. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says this. This is the wisdom of a father to a son, but yet it applies even for us looking at the Word of God today. He says, My child, pay close attention to what I say and listen carefully to my words. He says, Don't lose sight of them and let them penetrate deep into your heart. You don't want to be shallow soil. You want to let the seed go deep into your heart. He says, in verse 22, he says, let the seed, let me, I'm going to kind of rephrase this a little bit for the way, for what I'm wanting to communicate. He says, let the seed penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their body. Yes. We've got to let the word of God penetrate deep into our heart. Why? Because when the, when the seed gets sown deep into the soil of our heart, guess what? It brings life. 
the life of God comes alive even in those broken and damaged places or damaged places in our hearts. When the seed gets sown, repair begins to happen. God begins to mint what the devil used or was intending to destroy. God comes into work in that moment. And it says that when we'll let that word really get down into our heart is that life will come. Vitality will come. He goes on and he says, even more than that, it'll even bring healing to your body. If you're believing God for healing, do you know what the Bible says about healing? Why? Because when you get that, because, you know, it's, it's more than just, well, I got to do X, Y, and Z. No, you've got to get the word of God into your heart. You've got to remove doubt and replace it with faith, right? Well, how do you do that? Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to meditate on that word. You've got to get some confessions that the Bible says I'm healed, and I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen. That's perfectly enough. It ain't got to take an hour. You get you some good statements that, man, there's resonate in your heart that build faith. Amen. You may be here this morning and you deal with thoughts of insecurity. Well, I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't know if God really loves me. Those types of thoughts. You need to be in declare over your life. No, the Bible says that I've been made righteous because of Jesus. I'm no longer dependent upon myself to try to measure up to be who God wants me to be. I have become alive unto God through Christ. And so now I've been made righteous before Him. That word righteous simply means blameless. Let me ask a real simple question. How many of us have sinned? How many of you realize that makes us not righteous before the Lord? And sometimes we can struggle with being worthy. Well, I haven't earned it. Well, you never could anyways. I never could. Look, I struggled with this for a long time. I thought I could work my salvation. That's not the way it, it's not the way it happens. You can't earn something that's free. You just can't. It's a free gift. I mean, the Bible goes as far as to say, look, lest anybody should boast, it's the grace of God and it's a free gift. Nobody's going to be able to stand in the presence of God and say, I got here by myself. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not going to happen. The only way that happens is to say, I'm here by the blood and the power of Christ. Amen. See, and, and now what happens is I begin to declare better things over my life. Not just any random thing. I mean, I guess you can start saying, I'm young and I'm skinny. I mean, you know, you could maybe pull some scriptures out and say, you know, says my youth will be renewed. I mean, you can. Some of you may say, I got some hair, you know. I don't know if there's any promises in the scripture for that, but maybe. Uh, Mike shakes his head no. Apparently he's been looking. And, um, <laughs> but no, you go and get the word of God. Why? Because God is committed to that word. He says, look, that seed, I'm committed. It's going to grow. And the only thing that matters is the, the soil that that seed gets sown into. Because when that seed, what, what happens is that seed begins to grow into our life. And what happens? We become transformed. A permanent change happens in our life. Verse 23 of Proverbs 4. It says, guard your heart 
above all else. And it says, for it determines the course of your life. Now I'm going to give you something to think about. If you want all that God has for you this year, and even in the years to come, all you have to do is look at the condition of your heart today, and that can tell you where you're headed. Guard your heart. Other translations say, with all diligence. Guard your heart. Why? Because that's the direction of your life. Some of you, I believe, need the Lord to help you see yourself the way He sees you. Because there's limitations and there's insecurities and there's things in you that you believe about yourself. That God does not believe about you. I mean, there's a principle in Proverbs. It's a very powerful principle. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself as a failure, guess what? You're going to fail. Why? Because your faith is in your failure, not in God's ability. I'm convinced I'm going to screw this up. I'm convinced my marriage is going to fail. I'm convinced of, you know, that I can't get ahead in life. And you're like, well, how do I know what's in my heart? That's pretty simple. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Like, well, oh, shoot. Maybe I need to change what I'm saying. (laughs) Yes, you should. But here's the thing. It's not just changing what you're saying. You've got to change your heart. Why? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So you've got to change that, those conditions of the soil of your heart. Why? Because that's what you believe. When everything else is, is different, everything else, everything else is gone, that's what you really believe. That word there where it says to guard means to preserve and to guard from danger. You need to recognize when the enemy's coming at you. So, devil, I refuse to take that thought. I'm not going to let you rule in my life. That thought is contrary to the Word of God. It goes against, it violates the Word. So no, I have a promise from God that's better than that accusation. And the Bible says that He is the accuser. So He comes and assaults us through accusation. Oh, you knew you would do this again. Who are you fooling? Maybe I'm the only one that the devil talks like that to. I don't know, but... You had a good run this time. You made it a little bit longer than... Before. But here we are again. Just sitting in your misery, right? That's the work of the devil. No, devil, the Bible says that the righteous may fall, but they get back up. So I I want you to know, devil, I'm not going to stay down. I'm getting up. And what you meant to destroy me, God's going to turn about for my good. And it's going to become a strength in my life. If the devil talks to you, you ought to talk back. Why not? Talk trash to me. I mean, the Bible says if we resist the devil, he will flee. How do we resist him? It's with that word. How do we protect that promise? It's with the word. And we stand and we declare and we believe God's word in our life. And we don't back off from it. So I want to encourage you this morning. Look, there may be things that the Lord has stirred in your heart, even maybe before January. I know there's things in my life that the Lord has prompted in me. 
you know, things that I'm believing for and asking the Lord for and believing He's going to come through in some areas of our life and even in our church. But I've got to pay attention to... Let me say it this way. I have to pay attention to my motives. You know, one of my favorite verses is Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That it can go all the way to the dividing of what? Your motives and the intentions of your heart. God's Word is like a surgeon's scalpel. It can go all the way deep into... But I have to allow that work to happen. You have to allow that work to happen. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to come to that place where you say, God, I want you to move in my life. And I want you to move into my heart. Because I want all that you've promised me. And I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let the enemy steal from me any longer. See, when you have that kind of mindset, this is what I can tell you. From personal experience in my own heart, in my own life. It's just like with that story that I shared earlier. Is It was amazing when I let the Lord heal me. And I allowed the Lord to work in my heart. How quickly things begin to fall in place. But until I was healed, it couldn't come. 